This year's donations might go to, say, the geology department. Oh, dear, not the dirt people. Geology is the study of pressure and time. That's all it takes, really. What kind of activity has turned the lake massive? Look, I'm just a geologist. I like rocks. I love rocks. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Geology Flannel Cast. My name is Steve. Hey, everybody. This is Chris. Howdy-do. Jesse here. Living, laughing, loving. Living, just living the dream. That's nice. Uh, how's yeah. that? Hope uh, other listeners out there are having a great day. Listen to your favorite podcast right now. Life's a beach, right? Life, man. <laughs> uh, we are, whenever you're listening to this, maybe in the distant future, in the distant past, if you're a time traveler, um, we are recording this. It is Valentine's Day, and so we're spending it with the ones we love each other yeah happy valentine's day yeah. I'm, I'm the only one not wearing red today yeah That's, that is a little messed up buddy um yeah sarah actually she was like are you wearing this because of valentine's day i was like no well, <laughs> I, I went to wear this sweatshirt yesterday and she's like i know you like your new sweatshirt but you've been wearing it every day for a week <laughs> you're sleeping your sweatshirt on now it's part of me now. Yeah, exactly. So, anywho. Anywho. Um, had, what are we talking about today, Chris? We're going to talk about uh, space. We haven't talked about space in a while. So, today potentially doesn't even have anything to do with geology. Just FYI. It's just a cool science topic for today. I guess it could. Uh, potentially. Sounds like yeah. a challenge for Jesse. Relate yeah. this back to geology. <laughs> Well, yeah, I can. I will. Do you well, want me to do it right now? I mean, it's, well, looking can... at, it's looking at stars, and you know what you find around stars? Planets. You know what planets are made out of? Some of them are made out of rocks. That's right. Not all. <laughs> Not all. Now, the good I'm... ones, though. Yeah, the good ones. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> the interesting ones. <laughs> so the, the topic for today's podcast is the... Uh, uh, the James Webb Space Telescope. Uh, this is uh, this is a pretty pretty uh, pretty cool toy that they got floating out there. Like, was it one a million miles or is it two million miles? I I had it, all the stats. It is at oh you got you want to pull it's at the Lagrange point two. Yeah, which um, is one and a half million kilometers. Which I don't I don't know what that is in miles. It's it's a hundredth of an astronomical unit. So you could probably convert that. Actually, I can do that. It's 930,000 kilometers or um, miles. 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 <clears throat> All right. So I wasn't far off. Yeah. yeah 93 it, million I, miles away, right? Is one yeah, astronomical unit. Yeah. 93 million miles is one astronomical unit. And so I'm just, just spitballing. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I remember oh, that. Well, there was, was a They Might Be Giant song called yeah. uh, The Sun. And they sing about the sun is a massive incandescent gas. Oh, I'll listen out tomorrow morning. We listened to a little particle man this morning. There you go. Oh nice. man. I was, yeah. so I never listened to, they might be giants, right? 
Steve talks about them like every third episode on the podcast, right? <laughs> I don't think it's that often, but it's carry on. It's it's a lot. I just know because they, they did like the, I know him from like the theme song of like that show Malcolm in the Middle. They did yes. the, uh and then also the um the Constantinople song. Yep. Istanbul was Constantinople. Um they always get these like goofy songs. And I heard something Mickey I, Mouse I, I Clubhouse. I never listened to the radio and I was driving around in my car and I had my radio on for some reason. And the song particle man came on and I was like, this is a really weird. So I bet you this is, they might be giants. <laughs> sure enough. <laughs> it's just one of those weird bands, you know? <laughs> yep. They sing about science and history. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, uh, well, let's talk about, let's go back to James. Do they have a song with the James Webb space telescope? Yet? Not yet. Not yet. But um, you know, Potentially. I, yeah. So we threw out Lagrange points. Should we just mention what that is? Yeah, that's what I was getting at. That's what uh, I was getting at. They, they should have a song about the Lagrange. I mean, it's it's a great name. ZZ Top has a song called Lagrange. Uh, I think they're talking about the three-body orbital dynamic problem. Uh, exactly. It's a very deep band, ZZ Top. <laughs> the only member of the band without a beard. His name Beard. His name Beard. May you rest in peace. Yeah, God rest his soul. <laughs> anyway, so yeah. Lagrange Point is uh, it's the spot where there's an equal. Let's see if I can get this without screwing this up. It's an equal gravitational pull between the Earth and the Sun. So basically, once you get something out there, it just kind of stays still. Yep, stays it all, put. It, it stays put. It doesn't move around. Doesn't orbit. Just stays put. I always wondered what's the radio like? What's the diameter? of a Lagrange point. And I don't expect you guys to have this answer, but like how close to the actual point, I'm, I mean, I'm sure it has to readjust it sometimes. So, you know, there's, unless yeah, cause there's other b- gravity bodies that are pulling on it, like the moon or, or other planets. Yeah. Or, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, I mean, it just reduces like, so NASA is not going to have to use a lot of fuel. It like, it, it let, really... let mother nature do the work for them. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, um, yeah. The gravitational pull of the two bodies in this case, the sun and the earth is equal and... to centripetal force required for that object to move with them. Yeah. So think, think about several... one of those skydiving places, right? You have gravity pulling you down, but then you have the wind pushing you up those indoor skydiving places i should say i was about to <laughs> yeah I, was, you know, I don't know what kind of i'm explaining it and you're all looking at me like what you're, you're so <laughs> <Yeah>. wrong <laughs> but one of those indoor skydiving places because you have the force of gravity 9.80 meters per second per second pulling you down and then you have the fan blowing the air with the wind resistance pushing you up and at some point you reach equilibrium where you're moving the force pushing you down is the same as the force pushing you up. So you're just kind of hovering. So same thing with the Lagrange point, you get us far enough away from earth where earth isn't going to pull it back to the planet, but far close enough to the sun, but not so close to the sun that it's going to pull itself into the sun. There you go. And there is, is there eight, uh, five. five Lagrange points. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. it's at two. So there's, you can sort of think about them. So there's one that's between us and the sun. There's another one that's on the other side of the sun. And Lagrange point two is actually 
it's it goes the sun the earth and it's actually on the back side of us right is that how it works i think i don't know the locations though yeah and then there's there's two that are sort of perpendicular uh, four and five are perpendicular to like the planer of the plane of us and the sun i don't i don't know if the, i mean i'm just again spitballing here um but yeah it's an interesting i mean yeah you're right you're right it's really it's kind of like you know we're always trying to find tricks to minimize fuel consumption because fuel is sort of the big limiting factor when it comes to a lot of these uh space probes and whatnot because we're we can only we only have enough power to 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 get a certain amount of weight off the earth and we have to you know most of that weight is the fuel to power the thrust to get off the earth it's kind of kind of stinks Mm -hmm. um we we do it like um new horizons which went out past pluto a couple years ago and juno which went out to Jupiter a couple of years ago, they use what's called the, the earth slingshot. So they, they launch from earth. They do like a, a full earth orbit around the sun. And then on their pass back, they come between us and the sun and they use the gravitational pull of the earth. They get really close to the earth that it, the, the centripetal force just slings it out in space. And that's how you can get it going. I think Juno went 150,000 miles an hour. Wow. Um, it, it, at the time, um, it, it was the fastest man-made object. Um, but I think the Parker Solar Probe, which is, it flew through the corona. Did we talk about that last week? I think we might have. Uh, or maybe I don't think we did. I don't remember talking about so it. So the, the Parker Solar Probe is, is um, it, 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 it was out. Um, it's this probe that's looking at the sun and it, um, it just flew through the Corona of the sun, which is like insanely impressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Um, but it's going, I want to say like 300,000 miles an hour or something insane. Cause the gravity of the sun, it's just sucking it in. <laughs> yeah. Causing it to just go flying, wow. which is really impressive. That's, you know, that's that's not quite a tenth of the speed of light, but it's, it's like it's a couple hundredths. Yeah, some, the, something to shake a stick at. Yeah, a couple hundredths the, uh, percent of the speed of light, which is pretty. Man, I wonder what the, the time dilation, like what the time difference is when you're going that oh, pace versus the time on Earth. Yeah. So, so they you're getting up there a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's noticeable. I wonder if they have internal clocks. It'd be really interesting to see what what the relativistic effects are. Yeah, that would be pretty rad. Yeah, to say it. Well, NASA, if you're listening, let us <clears throat> let us know. Yeah, let us know how that. Uh, Shoot us an email. Shoot us an email. Let us know about that whole theory of relativity thing. And, you know, <laughs> how that's how that's working, right? Also, explain Lagrange points. <laughs> <laughs> Prove it. All right. So, a little history of Lagrange points here, uh, uh, a la uh, Wikipedia. Um, so, okay, the the three collinear Lagrange points is L one, L two, and L three were discovered by. Leonhard Euler a few years before 
Joseph Lewis Lagrange discovered the remaining two. So the first three were discovered before Lagrange discovered um, the two. Is that that Euler of like Euler poles? Yeah, and like the mathematician. Yeah. Uh, uh, Swiss mathematician. Yeah, Leonard. Leonard. Oh, Leonard. Oh, Leonard. Leonard. Oh, (laughs) it's been a long day. (laughs) In my defense, he spells it weird. All right. It looks like Leon hard. (laughs) Leonard. Okay. uh, Lagrange was his student. Did you say that? No, I didn't say that. Oh, yeah. Lagrange was his um, was one of his students. Oh, or he corresponded with him. But yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. So he was a protege. So your your finds finds the first three Lagrange points, um, and then Joseph Louis Lagrange discovered the remaining two, um, and then in 1772 Lagrange published an essay on the three body problem. Uh, he goes off about that and just kind of fun stuff about that, that is insane. <clears throat> like you think about it, there there were no calculators. I mean, a calculator was literally a human whose job it was to check your calculations. Like they used to just have rooms full of people just with pencil and paper doing calculations. Calculating. Uh, Yep. Yeah. And it's weird because they had to say that while they were doing it. Yeah. (laughs) That's, I mean, it takes a lot of concentration to say people out while doing math. I mean, and you know, just going back. So, what was that? So, what what year did I say? I, I just seventeen twenty. Yeah, seventeen something, ninety five. Seventeen seventy two. Wow, I was way off. So these guys are like calculating Lagrange. Well, he's basically yeah, he's figuring out these Lagrange points in seventeen seventy two. Like, wow, just the the one that always gets me though is in seventeen fifty five. Emmanuel Kant throws out the. Uh, uh, the nebular hypothesis, 1755, yeah. like good That's, for him. Good for, yeah. It's sort of crazy. When you think like about where it. were telescopes at? Like they, they obviously weren't. I mean, you were dealing with 1755. You're dealing with Newton's like six inch reflecting light. Basically which, just like heavy duty binoculars. Yeah, right? like, shows <laughs> the moon being really fuzzy at that point and whatnot. Yeah. 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 And Immanuel Kant comes up with the nebular hypothesis, just, you know, stars form from nebulas and just boom, knocks it out of the park. Although he did have to redefine that, that nebular hypothesis in the 1790s, but close enough. Good job. Good job, Immanuel. <laughs> All right. So it, it just goes to show you what you can do when you don't have like distractions like HBO and Instagram. <laughs> yeah. Could you imagine where we'd be right now if it wasn't for like Instagram sucking up and like geology podcasts just sucking up all of our time? I mean, it is my dream to be a gentleman scientist, just to yeah. sit around and do science. Think, yeah. Just to think, go to the, um, what were those old, uh, the old, what was that called? The salons back in the day, yeah. right? Yeah. They weren't like the salons we have now. They just like sit around, and drink coffee, and just shoot the breeze. Shoot the breeze. Yeah, but- maybe if we get enough Patreons, we could do that. <laughs> so, if you no, pay, any Patreons out there, if you have any rich uncles or something, 
want to support us sitting around drinking coffee, talking science. Just really supporting the whole field of gentleman scientists. That's really <laughs> what you're doing. Well, gentle person scientists. I mean, come on. It's the 21st century. Okay. How about just uh, friendly scientists or uh, polite scientists? Yeah. I like that. I like the the niceness of it. Yeah. But anyway, so back to uh, back to the James Webb uh, telescopes. This is hanging out there at Lagrange Point 2. And so this is like the most, one, the most like sophisticated telescope we've ever put in space it's uh the the uh it's following in the footsteps of hubble it's like a it's it's basically the the hubble uh, it's it's even better than the hubble because it's even farther out and um it's got some pretty cool instruments on it um i think we should talk about james webb for a second yeah so james edwin webb born october 7th 1906 Died March 27, 1992, was an American government official who served as the Undersecretary of State from 1949 to 1952. Hmm. Uh, Second appointed administrator of NASA on what day? February 14th. Look at this. Look at this. this. Exactly 50. No, this is uh, 60 years to the day. Yeah. 61 years. 61 years. <laughs> I also speaking thought of, it was speaking 60. of mathematicians. <laughs> I also was like, oh wow, yeah, 60 years. 61 yep. years to the day. <laughs> yeah. So Webb Web oversaw NASA from the beginning of the Kennedy administration through the end of the Johnson administration. So he was uh so he saw the Mercury and Gemini programs. Um yeah. And okay. Apollo, the Apollo one fire. Yeah. And so he stepped down. Um, oh, that's cool. So that's who, uh, that's who James Webb was. Yeah. I guess he figured he did a pretty good job and, uh, and they gave him. Yeah. They so him, they named a telescope after him. They, they named this telescope after him in 2002. I, I remember, <laughs> I remember when they announced wow. it. I remember 20 years like, ago. Like that's. Ex- is that how long this thing's been in the, in the works for? Yes. Yeah. When was the original? I mean, the original launch date was supposed to be. Do you know off the top of your head? I, I don't, but I remember it, it was. It was initially planned for 2007. There you go. Development actually began in 1996. Okay. Yeah. But the, it was called like the next I, generation telescope or something. Yeah. And then they named it after him in 2002. A major redesign took place in 2005, which is bad if you want to launch it in 2007. <laughs> and wow. yeah, it was it was a lot of money. Yeah, they completed construction in 2016. Yeah, get uh, Chris. Guess how much money the James Webb Telescope cost? Jeez, they initially budgeted 500 million. Okay, so that means they went at least. 10 times over budget. Um, I'm going to say it's got to be, I'm going to say $5 billion. That would be 10 times over budget, but they went 20 times over budget. (laughs) It's 10, $10 billion. $10 billion. Dr. Evil money right there. (laughs) Wow. That is a lot of do re me. But 
it'll but be, you know what? Ten billion dollars is a drop in the bucket for our defense program. Yeah. Per year, so ten billion dollars over the last twenty-five years. I, I mean, feel like I mean, don't get me wrong. That's still a lot of money. But and you think about something. So it's James. What we should point out is like it's the it's the successor to to Hubble. Yes. So Hubble, NASA, Hubble is our, our current deep space telescope. And it, um, it has just been unbelievable in, in sort of the science it's, it's provided, but they're no longer going to service it. And Hubble's been up there. It entered service in 1990. So it's, you know, it's, it's 32 years at this point, it's 32 years old. Um, and yeah, it costs, you, uh, I don't know what it costs. Off the top. It costs. Could you imagine driving a 32 year old car right now? <laughs> yeah. Let alone trying to, trying oh. to work a satellite millions of miles away in space. <laughs> so in 2015 dollars, Hubble cost about 11 billion. Yeah. There you go. But that's so here's the thing though with Hubble, all the upgrades over the years and all the the maintenance. So remember well, this the is mirrors? cumulative to cumulative cost. Oh, cumulative. Okay, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, that that includes upgrades. So it's it's the most expensive service mission. Um, but so they're not gonna do any more as as far as they say, any more servicing. And so it's supposed to go out of service anywhere in the 2030s. So you get okay. you know get another another ten years out of it. Well, did, did you guys hear about the uh, the ISS going out of service in the twenty thirties? No. Yeah, they're going to crash in the ocean. Oh, like Skylab. Yeah. Um. So that's yeah, forty years. It's ten billion dollars. Like that's in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. And then, how can you put a price on that science? Exactly. Well, that's the thing. And um, what we're going to learn from this and there's, there's a, that's the one thing that people don't understand about science is the trickle down of, you might think of it as just like pure research, but you know, there's, there's stuff that, that they, that, that research discoveries that are, that are found that trickle down into industry and into our everyday lives. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting. So the, the James Webb telescope is going to be looking at deep space, and like, like old, old, stuff. old stuff and, and dark, you know, kind of like what Hubble did. Hubble just, you know, they just pointed at dark patches in the sky. And then all of a sudden they're like, whoa, look at all those galaxies. Oh, um, but they, yeah, if you want to, if you want to see something incredible, just, you know, look up the Hubble deep field image. Yeah. Oh yeah. And that's, you know, it's, yeah, it was a dark patch. It was one 360th of the night sky that we had never seen anything in it with any earth-based telescope and they pointed it and opened the shutter and collected the light. And it's just millions and millions of points of light. And they're all galaxies, which have, you know, billions of stars. It's just a really incredible image. So that NASA was so concerned that about what James Webb was the data it was going to collect that it actually hired, uh, religious experts from a whole bunch of different religions because they wanted to consult these religious experts to be like, okay, if we find extraterrestrial life, <laughs> what is this? 
you know, what is this going to do to like, you know, is society going to be able to handle that sort of information? People's brains and, and, or how, how is your religion going to handle having this sort of information and, and, and disseminating it in a way that's not going to, you know, melt people's minds, I guess. So I, I just thought that was a little forward thinking of NASA. <laughs> oh, it'll melt people's minds. Oh, no, it, it will. But <laughs> but at least at least they're thinking about it and, and how to best go about it. I was really hoping that the, the, they just released the first image and they're they're just aligning mirrors. And it's it's supposed to be like a, a, a not so a pretty blurry image. It's I think they think by uh, the article I was reading, they're predicting by NASA's predicting by like April that they'll start to get some quality images out of it mm. but they're they just sent back the first one and i was really hoping you'd see like a uh an alien holding up a sign saying like hello or something <laughs> like that but yeah. just just stars it wasn't wasn't anything special well it, it was it's pretty interesting so there's 18 different mirrors that are on 18 different planes and they're all bouncing back to the same collector like you know think of like a satellite dish but then these so what they did is when they sent it up there, you know, they, they kind of get them where they think they're aligned, but they obviously know that they're not aligned. They have to fine tune this stuff. I mean, you're looking at stuff like billions of miles away. So they take these 18 different mirrors and they picked one bright star that was kind of, you know, out, out there by itself. I forget what the star is. It's like B52938, whatever, something or other. Um <laughs> So they they take a picture of this bright star and then they look at the images that come back and they take those 18 images and you see the original image and they're like scattered all over the place. But they found that star in each one of the mirrors, which is a good thing. So that means that the mirrors aren't crazy out of whack. So then they can take where like this is mirror A1 and A2 and whatever. And then they can take those mirrors and then tweak them to align them to be perfect and this you know and then they'll take another picture and and then this process gets refined more and more and more and the reason why they have these 18 different mirrors is you're going to get slightly different perspectives of the same picture you know you're not quite getting 3d but you're going to be able to get like different vantage points Hmm. of the same spot is that's the way it was explained in like layman's terms so and they're also, you know, it's not just visible light. You're not just looking out there. You know, the infrared, near infrared, and like all different kinds of multi-spectral cameras and things like that. So, well, it sounds like so. Right now, they're aligning the mirrors. It sounds like they're formatting. Oh, the nice. That, that was smooth, Chris. Thank you, thank you. Yeah. So we would like to thank our sponsor, the Formatting Formula. I, you know, I, I'll have to ask the formatting formula if NASA uses the formatting formula to figure out like their checklists, like send satellite up, check, <laughs> open <laughs> up satellite, pointed? check. That would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Hit Lagrange point, check. <laughs> Boy, this formatting formula has it down. Find extraterrestrial <laughs> life, check. <laughs> but yes, for all of your word document formatting needs, please check out formattingformula.com or YouTube forward slash C forward slash formatting formula. Um, but most importantly, make sure you tell them the geology flannel cast sent you. 
Um, and I appreciate one of our listeners out there uh, gave the formatting formula a comment about uh, African elephants. And the formatting formula actually emailed me and said, like, do you know what this means? I was like, yes, <laughs> you're obviously not listening to our podcast enough because we talk about African elephants a lot. <laughs> How many African elephants would stack up to be where the uh, uh, the James, the James Webb telescope Webb is? Telescope yeah. is. <laughs> How many yeah, African elephants to the we, Grange we point? Figure that out. <laughs> um, but yes, so check them out. Formattingformula.com. Tell them the geology flannel cast sent you. I'm doing the uh, the math right now. Thank you, Steve, for that. Um, yeah. Let's see. Uh, African elephant. We figure ten feet in length. We're about how many million? How many hundreds of thousand? Nine hundred and what was it? Nine hundred and thirty thousand. Nine thirty thousand. Okay. Uh, just start talking. Buy me some time. Here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the do, should we talk about the sun shield? It's really yeah. Cool. That's that's awesome. And so do you know about the sun shield? I, I know that when I'm because I'm old now, like if I'm driving, especially now in the wintertime and the sun is low in the horizon and I have to like make a turn or, or like look for oncoming traffic, uh, sunglasses don't just cut it anymore. So I have to like put my hand up in front of my face to block the sun. That's pretty much what they're doing, except yeah. your back would be to the sun. By the yeah. way, I got this number real fast. It is, uh, let's see, you would need uh, 491,040,000 African elephants standing <laughs> next to each other, front to back, to get to where the uh, James Hub telescope is. Web. James Hub, James Webb, sorry. <laughs> so, for almost almost uh, 500 million. Good to know. Yeah. Oh, nice. So, so anyways, the sun shield. So it needs to be super, super dark for the uh because they're they're really trying to pick up some very, very, very faint light. Uh, I know you said you briefly mentioned some of the sensors. They have a visible light sensor, near infrared, and mid-infrared sensors on there. Um, and uh they're the, the whole thing is to try to pick up some some light from the very early universe, very, very, very far stuff away. It's just getting to us now. Um, uh, you know, stuff that's super, super old, like 13 billion years old. Um, and it's cool because it's it's a time machine. That's this. That's what this thing is. This thing is it actually it is a time machine. It's seeing back into past events in the universe that were just so far away that it took light 13 billion years to reach where we're at and ironically it looks like a delorean it kind of does doesn't it <laughs> that or the uh what's the the big triangular spaceship from um uh star wars that like darth vader is on the death star no the battle cruiser no they're battle star cruiser destroyers they're... star, star destroyers. i don't know the, names of the, star wars. the big big black ones are super star destroyers <clears throat> Um, so oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say about the, the infrared I mean, part of what the, so you can finish what your thought here on looking deep into space. Oh, so I guess, uh, just to finish this up real fast, it's going to be really, really faint stuff. So they have to buy, it has a sun shield. So the, 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 the telescope is pointing out into basically out into the ether 
and but its back is to the sun and it has this giant sun shield so that there's no sun, no light. They really, really try to minimize the amount of light that gets in the way from the apertures um, uh, of these sensors. You guys know how big the sun shield is? How big is it? Yeah, it sounds like the start of a joke. Oh, it's it's not a, a tennis court. It's the size of a tennis court. Oh, that's pretty big. <laughs> so they had to wrap it all up. That's the thing. Like, that's crazy. They had to fold this thing up like a burrito. Not a burrito. They, they but No, it's like origami. Origami. That's yeah. it. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had to fold this thing up like origami, stuff it into a, into a rocket ship, right? And just pray that the you know this stuff doesn't get ripped on the way up there you know this these that's that's the other crazy thing about this instrument is so sensitive and what do we do we strap this thing onto a rocket you know and you know how like how shaky rockets are it's yeah. nuts did this thing survive <clears throat> just the, just the fact that anything can survive up into a rocket but um <laughs> six but- six thousand one hundred and sixty one kilograms or Thirteen thousand five hundred ninety-four pounds. That's how much wow. that thing weighs when they launch it. Wow. Who did uh did Elon take that thing up there, or was that a was that an Air Force thing that uh? uh it was I imagine Air- that was probably Air Force. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was Lockheed, right? Lockheed, yeah. Uh, Northrop Grumman was the manufacturer of Ball Aerospace Technologies. Yeah, uh, but they got but that. I don't uh, think that's who launched it. <laughs> That alliance, God bless you. Sorry, did I, I tried that to was... mute. <laughs> oh. Thanks. Uh, Air, 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 French Guiana, where did they launch it from? Um, wherever the European. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting. It's uh, the amount of force that's necessary to launch something from the equator is like significantly less mm-hmm. than launching something, say, from like New York City or something like that. that that's yeah. why NASA's headquarters are in like the, the southern tip of Florida and, you know, yeah, Houston. you want to get as far down south yeah. as possible. Yeah. As close so to that, you know. That's that, why the European Space Agency uses French Guiana, which is like at the equator, essentially. So this that's is smart from from the equator. And the other reason that they liked using um, that we have like the uh, NASA facility in Florida is because it's surrounded by ocean. Yeah, so, if anything uh, goes case, wrong. In case it goes wrong, just plop right into the ocean. Oh, I thought because you want to, you know, on your days off, you want to relax by the beach. Well, it does. There are some issues because you do get a lot of thunderstorms in Florida and uh, the weather can be a little. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like a little operative at times. Yep. But, yeah, I guess it does make sense. Florida, it's a peninsula. If you ever looked at yep. a map. <laughs> I was reading a book about. Um, it's about the Apollo missions. Really, really interesting book. Uh, I, I read about two years ago or so now. So some of the details are starting to escape me, but they were saying like during the Mercury missions, when these guys, what, what, what came first? Mercury is the first one, right? Yeah. And then Gemini? Yeah, yes. Yeah. Uh, during the Mercury missions. I think. They anyway. had 
yeah, I'm, I'm most positive is, is Mercury missions. Uh, they like they had that land in, in Florida they're using for this, and it was like so underfunded. Like they were actually moving around rocket parts. They had just like putting them on mattresses on pickup trucks and just <laughs> moving stuff around that way. It was just it was just it was just wild back in the day, and like it was just infested with mosquitoes and just uh, you know it's. Yeah, wasn't the Apollo mission like the average age of the engineer was like 25 or something? Yeah, the average engineer (laughs) on the Apollo mission was like 25. Yeah, yeah. That's insane. Um, They had some really, really young people, um, supposedly. And they had uh, in this book, they actually talked about that, about the different uh, during the Apollo missions. They had the different stations all over the Earth, Uh, I guess the radio relay stations. And apparently there was a relay station in Hawaii that was quite the party location. <laughs> They're like these like kids. They were hiring kids, engineers right out of college. They barely even interviewed them. And just- oh, they didn't. A lot of them, they just looked at their resume and then they offered yeah. them like it was crazy. Yeah. And these kids were just like partying up in Hawaii and they're just like they're loving life out there. Good nice. For them. But anyway, so back to James Webb. Uh, Joe's Jesse, yeah, that's. I just wanted to talk about the 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 sun shields. What were you What were you going to say? So one of the things with the sun, yeah, aside from blocking light, so you can collect more of blocking the sun to collect light from deep space. The infrared sensors, you have to you you also have to keep it cool. Oh, I love that you bringing this up. Yeah, I saw this. Yeah, from heat. Otherwise, the the instrument itself would it would be overwhelmed from from heat from the the telescope itself getting heated by not only the sun but light reflecting off of the Earth and the Moon would also produce enough heat that it would overwhelm the sensors because they have to stay. I want to say it like fifty Kelvin or something. It is fifty yeah. Kelvin. That's what I saw. So and basically, the spacecraft brought up heat from the earth mm-hmm. and it has to dissipate the heat that it still has from the earth yeah yeah if you if you look at the status right now it still says like cooling down <laughs> it's well it's at, yeah at the so on the sun side of the sun or on the sun and earth side of the sun shield it's um depending on which side one of the you know the the middle of it is um 53 degrees Fahrenheit, but the, the edges, the wings that are sort of catching a lot of the sunlight, it's 130 degrees Fahrenheit. Wow. And then on the opposite side of that, where the, it's being blocked, they're actively cooling some of these instruments. It is negative 375 degrees Fahrenheit. Wow. So that sun shield is working. 47K. Yeah. Wow. You got on a 47K. Yeah, that's on two of it. And some of the other stuff, like Steve said, is still cooling. One of it is still a balmy 127K, which is which is only negative 231 degrees Fahrenheit. Jeez. And I thought it was cold today at the Olympics where they were saying it was like negative nine. <laughs> what, well, negative nine C. I was thinking about this. I, you know, I was wondering if it was C because they weren't saying it. And I'm like, yeah. eh, are you just trying to trick me here? I think it is. I think That's... they're doing everything in, in Celsius, which means it was it was it's basically so cold, what, it but... was the, it was freezing, but it was like it was 15 degrees, and that's what it was in, in Philly today. Yeah, that's cold what I thought today. too. My hands, I was outside doing some stuff. My hands were I didn't have gloves on like a dummy. The hand no, I, 
Yeah. Did you have to like lotion them? I hate putting lotion on my hands. <laughs> well, I had to go back into my car to like warm them up because I could feel them starting to burn. Nice. Like, oh, that's frostbite. Gotta go. That's a you. shame. I was walking around in jeans and a t-shirt today. Uh, you guys really need to check yourself. <laughs> <laughs> we should. Uh, anyway, that that was me on Friday. Friday was 60 degrees here. Saturday was like 58 degrees here. Sunday it was 30. <laughs> Monday it was 19. <laughs> So it just depends um, on what day we have our good days and our bad days. I had some more facts about the, uh, the James Webb. Um, yeah, it's, uh, actually, I think I went through all the facts already. Um, so they're, what they're doing is they're right now, they're trying to align the instrument. We kind of talked about this towards the, in the beginning of the podcast, but, uh, all the, all the, the mirrors are kind of out of whack right now. So it's kind of like, let's, let's line everything up and we're, we're getting it ready. And, um, but, yeah. but again, this is part of the process. They knew they were going to have to do this. Oh, like, absolutely. like you absolutely. launch this thing, yeah. like, like you but, said earlier, like it's shaking and rattling and rolling. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, the, the tricky thing with this telescope is that like, if you compare this to the Hubble scope. Hubble was close enough to earth that we could uh, do maintenance to it. And we did. And and remember there was the issue with when Hubble first came out with the mirrors roll, uh, the, the, it was, all the images were blurry because the, there was a, there was an issue with the mirrors being the, the wrong size there. Um, and they had to replace the mirrors and, and that was fine. They had some astronauts go out there and uh, I'm sure it was did, costly. Did they replace them or did they polish them? I thought they polished them. Was it just a polish? They fixed yeah. them. Let's yeah, they, they fixed it. <laughs> they fixed, yeah. they fixed the problem, whatever it was. They, they, they were able to fix the problem. And that's kind of, that's pretty cool too. Is the fact that, you know, the astronauts were able to go up there and kind of, you know, do the mechanic work there behind uh, on that telescope. But this thing here is to uh, the, the James Webb telescope is, too far away so they really had to they got they, they had one shot to get it and there was zero room for mistakes yeah with this telescope yeah have you ever heard of that cardiac joke the cardiologist drops his car off the mechanic and the mechanic is explaining what's wrong with this car and he's like you know it's just like an internal combustion engine just like a heart like you know this is broken this is broken i have to fix it like, I don't know why you make $300,000 a year and I only make $30,000 a year. And the cardiac surgeon looks at the mechanic and says, okay, fix it while it's running. <laughs> good point. <laughs> there you go. Point. Yeah. But it, it's true in that, like, it, it, don't get me wrong. Hubble wasn't designed to be fixed in space, but it was able to be fixed in space, which mm -hmm. is even even more of a feat if you think about it um, yeah yeah um so it looks like the mission duration for this thing is they're shooting for five to ten years so here's how this works that's what they is like that's like the guaranteed amount of time it's almost like a like a warranty right um you buy something, you buy a car, or whatever is a warranty, and uh, you know the, the, the basically that that piece of machinery is made to to last throughout the duration of that warranty. This thing's going to go a lot longer than ten years. That's how uh, you know you always see that with the the NASA 
that would be my opinion at least nobody's nobody's told me that but no you, you are correct like with most yeah. of the mars rovers they've yeah. they've like tripled their ex- expected life expectancy um hubble is already pat way past its expectancy um look at voyager one and voyager two they were launched <laughs> in the 70s yeah and, and they're we're still, still getting a, data chirping away aren't they <laughs> where are those guys at <laughs> they left they're, the solar system they may or may not have left the solar system. yeah <laughs> That the is there, edge is of the, your controversy that they didn't leave the solar well, the system? edge of the solar system is is it's amorphous. Like, it's, it's I thought a, they left the sun's fuzzy. magnetosphere, right? Well, that that's what they thought, but then I think they're still occasionally getting like um, they're detecting ionized particles. Oh. Which you would say, which shows that like the Oort cloud or this, you know, the whatever you would call that edge of the solar system mm-hmm. is really diffuse and probably so they're in more this like transition boundary yeah. kind of thing and and you, you could probably say technically they left they're pretty far away yeah, yeah. now what uh let's see actually let's compare some speeds here because that voyager thing has been cooking let's see how fast that thing's moving I mean, it's probably super slow compared to some of the other. Yeah, yeah and I, I want to say they were both launched the year I was born in 1978. They were launched in. Um, no, they were launched in 77. Oh, sorry. You were way off. And they're they're old as heck. And Voyager <laughs> 2. Yeah. Voyager 2 was launched before Voyager 1 to make it just that's that. right. That's right. Just that much more complicated. Yeah. <laughs> 77. They're going at uh it was I just I gotta find it here, but it looked like uh oh here it is. Voyager one is escaping the solar system at 3.6 astronomical units per year. So 93 million times 3.6. Let's convert this Divi- into miles. Divided by 3.6. Oh, is it? Yeah. They're going for 360. 360. Well, yeah, carry on. Huh? 93 times 3.6. 93 million times 3.6 is how far it's going in the year. About 38,000 miles an hour. There you 38, go. 38,000. Thank okay. you, Jesse. <laughs> uh, Voyager, yeah, Voyager 2 is currently 18 light hours away from Earth. So it for Voyager 2 to send a signal, it sends a signal, and it takes 18 hours for that light to to hit her that you know, i always cool. i always joke when i talk about it. it they're not even they're not sending light signals though yeah they're, they're sending like a 14-4 modem yeah i think like I think so it is, so it takes even longer than that so it but, the, but how's it, it traveling though there's not a wire that's connecting them no it's it's it is it's got to be through i mean like that's probably how this it's going near the speed of light, but it is yeah. taking. Um, but yeah, I always joke like, if it was, it would be like, it'd send a signal like, "I'm about to crash," and it's you know 14 hours, and then we get it, and we're like, "Don't crash," and send it back, <laughs> and it's it's two, a day and a half later. <laughs> yeah. So Frank, one of our Patreons, says NASA's now speaking of a 20 year lifespan. Because the minimum amount of fuel was used in getting it to the L2 spot, so the Lagrange 2 spot. So now it has twice the amount of fuel that they thought it would have. Ah. So mm. they're hoping they'll be able to keep it at that Lagrange point for two times as long. Sneaky NASA throwing in that, uh, you know, <laughs> oh, we can get there. We'll put this much fuel in there. But, oh, we found a shortcut. Not really a shortcut. It's always, but uh, but it's thank always you, Frank. Like the- 
it's like the range on your if if your car has like range to empty yes it's like 200 but you get on the highway and you go like 100 miles away and you still have you know 150 miles on the range yep yeah basically making money that's what i said man i have some friends who post on like facebook and instagram and stuff like oh guess i better get gas and it's just like range zero that would stress me out so much like how could you what no like unless i'm literally at the gas station that would bother me a lot oh i I hate that all the time you can go farther than zero Stop. it's it's like that episode of seinfeld uh where (laughs) kramer was uh Kramer was driving, he's doing the test drive, and they just kept on going past E. He was out of gas. And like, yeah, the, yeah. The guy from the dealership was freaking out. <laughs> That's uh, you yeah. can go pretty let's, far. Let's, That's a bit funny. Let's see how far this goes. So um so yeah, so the 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 Steve, you're right, going back to the speeds of these uh holy crap, Steve, you nailed the numbers. Uh the Parker Solar Probe clocked in at over 330 thousand miles an hour i'll take credit for that even though jesse said it jesse said that (laughs) yes good job steve Uh, (laughs) that's that's the story of my life (laughs) so so the parker probe is going 10 times faster than than voyager one of the voyagers that we figured out um that's haul on ass guys. That's, that's going pretty fast. I think that was in the initial proposal. Yeah. So How fast gonna, is this going to go real fast? Yeah. We're <laughs> going to launch this probe and it's going to haul ass. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I could just hear Congress being like approved. Yeah. <laughs> couldn't have, couldn't have said it better myself. No, that's um, yeah. So Voyager, you know, famously has the, the golden, records on them yeah um, yeah um uh, carl sagan carl, helped put that together yeah him him and his wife and one of them has sounds of earth and the other has um <clears throat> uh like they always put plaques that have like etching on them that show like our position in in the solar system at nearest to the nearest like pulsar and um like the hydrogen line and two hydrogen atoms fused to show what the sun is doing, I guess. I don't but in um, it's uh, one thing, it's kind of funny because they show uh, our solar system with the sun and the planets and they all have Pluto. Um, <laughs> but the pioneer probe, which, which went out before the Voyager probes and pioneer took like a left turn at Jupiter, I think. Uh, between Jupiter and Saturn, um, <clears throat> it had uh, these outlines of humans, a, a man and a woman. Um, and it's not on Voyager because literally because Congress said we can't be sending pornography to space because they showed. <laughs> oh, that's right. I remember hearing about that. Showed genitalia. Uh, so anyway, yeah. They, they do sometimes make silly decisions. But yeah, if you did say this thing's going to haul ass, they'd be like, sold. <laughs> um, here's another fun fact about the, uh, the James Webb here. Uh, go back to the sun shield. It's a five layer sun shield. And each layer of that, uh, of that shield is as thin as human hair. 
Um, Whoa. So that's, that's, that's pretty, pretty thin. It's, yes. So basically what they're trying to say is there's five layers for the sun shield and it's as thick as five widths of five hairs. You get five hairs and stack them up. And that's the, uh, that's insane. Co- that's, considering the temperature differential from one side to the other, because yeah, one side like, was like 130 yeah. degrees and the other side was like negative 230 degrees. Yeah. It looks like a DuPont made the chemicals. It's, it's, uh, yeah, can I wrap my house in that? Yeah. It's Seriously. got, uh, Member and it's the membranes are coated with aluminum on both sides and a layer of doped silicon. What does that mean? Silicon like steroids? They're party doping? party silicon. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, Frank again coming up clutch in this podcast. Uh there is space between the layers. Okay, that makes sense. And yeah. which is ironic because it's literally space between the layers. <laughs> because <laughs> it's in outer space get it very good yeah uh that is that's what i'm here joke. for fellas the, comic the relief dad joke right there so if you're playing the geology <laughs> flower cast drinking game bottoms up after that one <laughs> um yeah so um james webb well should be uh should be pretty ex- i'm excited to see this stuff coming out in uh like you said, probably about two two months or so. Yeah, we'll have to do a, a follow up episode. Yeah. I can't uh, wait till we're like, oh, that was underwhelming. <laughs> no, it's gonna be awesome. It's gonna shed light on the beginnings of our our universe. Yeah, should be pretty ridiculous. I mean, if you're into that sort of thing, it's gonna be awesome. Yeah. So yeah. picking up stuff that Hubble just couldn't hang with it's uh it'll pick up stuff that's a uh, hundred times fainter than the stuff that was just barely detectable by hubble wow that's pretty cool so i guess you could say it's a hundred times stronger can you get does it work yeah with that? uh two orders of magnitude better yeah. how's that yeah so yeah uh, you know that's pretty amazing so <clears throat> i am uh i'm it's literally excited. I'm sorry. So I, I was saying earlier, the star, I couldn't remember the name of it. I fig- I looked it up. It's HD 84406 in case anybody oh, was yeah, worried. That one. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it is, it's 258 light years away from um, us. And it's in Ursa Major, which is. Uh, Better than Ursa Minor, obviously. Yeah. Ursa Major is the. the the big bear it's also bear. part of the, the big dipper nice. uh nasa put out did you see the, the tweet that nasa put out saying that it's a starlight star bright the first star james webb will see is hd 84406 <laughs> 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 oh those aerospace engineers <laughs> they somebody they they had that plan that was ah <laughs> <laughs> uh. Very cool. So the cool thing is once that um, once James Webb gets up and running, like uh, you know, full throttle, it won't be able to see that star anymore. Good old HD eight four four zero six, and the reason for that is because it's going to be too bright. Oh. It's all it's calibrated to see super dim stuff, so it's just going to be it's gonna be way too bright to to see that star. So so it should see Chris pretty fine. 
Yes. Uh, There's another dad joke for you. But a bum. Yeah, bottoms up, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah. So uh, late April. Um. Should be getting. getting yeah, some good we'll we'll do there. we'll do a follow up. Yeah. Yeah. So, um. I guess that's uh that's about it. Keep keep your eyes out for the the James Webb telescope. Um yeah, and special and- shout out thank you to Frank, our Patreon for helping us out during this episode. Yeah. Thank you. And uh real fast just to just to end this episode here is a, a new story just posted uh, Coincidentally, kind of always talking about space here. I'll I'll, I'll share it, the, this link with you guys. I'll, I'll post it on the uh, the Final Cast website too. Um, this story is entitled "Astronaut Spot an Ancient Heart Shaped Oasis in Egypt Just in Time for Valentine's Day." Oh, oh. it doesn't really look. It kind of looks like a heart. The heart's kind of a it's an artistic interpretation. Yeah. 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 Um, let's see, soaring 250 miles over Earth. The astronauts aboard the ISS looked down on our planet last May. Last May? <laughs> That's a long time ago. And, uh, and saw a, a heart-shaped oasis blooming in the Egyptian desert. Nice. So um, they're sharing the image today on, uh, I guess, one of the NASA. They're just really sitting on that one, weren't they? Yeah, they're yeah. just like, oh, yeah, this is, this is great for... Uh, valentine's day so happy valentine's day out there everybody happy Woo! that uh yeah. you're hanging out with uh, your favorite rock hounds geology flannel casters for this one and uh i couldn't think of a better way to spend this holiday so uh, just, just throwing that out there um i didn't have any of those uh little heart candies at all this year for valentine's oh. day I usually get the ones with the like the i love you and they got the do you guys have yeah. any of those today I had a box earlier. Uh, I had one today. Yeah, my kids had some. So mm. yeah. I bought a bag of peanut M Ms at a vending machine at work today. That was <laughs> that was pretty exciting. Yeah. <laughs> nice. All right. So All right. Jesse, what song are you bringing us out to? Oh, I tell you what, I was gonna go early on. I was thinking about this. And because we don't have any pictures yet, I was going to go with sort of the U2 classic. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Mm. <laughs> ah, nice. This is pretty good. But, I like that. But then like we that. did talk about Voyager. Maybe we'll just do the Sounds of Earth, the golden record. Oh, I like it. Yeah. Have mm. you ever listened to it? It's insane. No. I would not travel here if I was an alien. <laughs> no, I have not. Yes. But I've, I've heard of some of the stuff that's on it. Yeah. Like a foghorn just randomly and then yeah. like monkeys screaming. It sounds awful. Jack how, about, how about Lagrange by ZZ Top? Ooh. Oh, that's yeah. fitting as well. That's anyway, as well, so. but pour one out for a homie, close personal friend of the podcast, Carl Sagan. Yeah. yeah. And uh, was it J- James Beard? One of the, we'll just call him Mr. It, Beard. Yeah, his last name was Beard. But anywho, um, yeah, thanks everybody for listening. Thanks to all our Patreons. If you want to help support the podcast, please uh, become a Patreon. You get some uh, sweet stickers and or uh, other Extra perks. perks. Yeah, hang out with us every week while we record the podcast. It's always fun. We have some awesome, awesome Patreon friends join every week. Had a pretty, pretty cool group here. Uh, yeah, everyone's awesome. 
I get some uh, special Patreon exclusive vids that are posted up on the website there. Ooh, I like that. And um, if you get become a Topaz tier, we'll do a whole episode dedicated to you, whatever you want. Yeah, man. Within reason. Really? So I don't know. Yeah, I'll, to, do, I'll do anything. My soul's for sale. <laughs> yeah. <have it. laughs> uh, yeah, but Pass check us. it. Check out our website, uh, geologyflannelcast.com. We have merch Page, there. The Patreon's at, real fast, Patreon's at patreon.com slash geologyflannelcast. Gotcha. Sorry. And then Steve's talking about geologyflannelcast.com, where you can buy a geology flannelcast coffee mug. That, uh, did those numbers come back yet from um, NASA yep. about how much the, how much better the coffee's going to taste? 20.0% better. 20.0. Okay. Yeah. yeah sig sig figs are important. Six yeah. I mean, it's like it's like the sun shield in that everything inside the mug is tasting better. Everything outside, ugh. Yeah. Don't even bother. No. I've tried licking coffee off my counter before after missing the mug. It it doesn't taste as good. No. <laughs> Just not the same. Yeah. If I get some interesting uh things in your mouth too from looking up the counter. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. Anyways, that right. That sounded weird. Yeah. Uh, check out our Instagram. Do we say Instagram? I don't remember. Instagram no. account. Yes. Take pictures of your geology flannel cast stickers and post them on Instagram. And we're going to uh, give the winner of this impromptu wow. contest something super awesome, like more stickers to take pictures of. <laughs> yeah. So do. Uh, yeah do that uh send, send us your pictures of the uh, i love it uh people have been sending pictures over of uh of them uh yeah with their with their stickers out in geology settings it's a lot of fun so uh yeah man send them over to us we'll put them up on the instagram account um we can only put so many pictures of steve holding up the geology final cast coffee mug up before it gets a little Ah, it never gets old. No. He's kidding who? No. Never, I can watch pictures of Steve holding that flannel kiss mug all day long. Yep. Um, all right, ladies and gentlemen, that wraps it up for another out of this world podcast of uh, the premier geology podcast, the geology flannel cast. Uh, take care. Happy Valentine's Day. Love you guys. See you guys next week. Bye. See you. Bye. Thanks for stopping. Bye.